Good morning. It's a glorious morning. We are reminded today, as uh, Brother Garrett mentioned, the right, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9, again, he prophesied way back six, 700 years before, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you for these songs that uh, was given already. You know, I was thinking about when we sang, Hello in the grave he lay, how we are um, committed, we are obedient to the elements. When, when we die, we die. Most of the time we submit. It's finished. It's done. We know the power of death. We know that we've been given one life to live. We're born. And then we grow through this life. We grow older. We grow feeble. And the Bible teaches us that we, if we're doing good, we get 70 or 80 years, sometimes even more. But it all comes to an end. We're all subject to that law of life. And here is Christ, the power behind our risen Savior, that broke that law and conquered it, the law of death, and was risen victorious. We rejoice with that this morning. So, welcome everyone, visitors and all that came. And hopefully today we can talk about more on that power and be reminded of Christ. It's a, it's a glorious story. Let's rise. As Christ was risen, let's rise to our feet this morning and bring praise and worship the Lord. Father in heaven, we come before you. We rejoice again this morning as we remember, as we are reminded of our risen Savior who conquered death, who conquered hell, who conquered all things, and eventually everything will be subdued under his feet, Lord. We are, our hearts are glad this morning, Lord, that we can rejoice with you, that we can live with you, that we can reign with you, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we pray. We pray, Lord, that this, that this glorious life that resurrected you, Lord Jesus, will be in us, will quicken also our mortal bodies into everlasting life, so that we all may be partakers of eternal life. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this hope, this hope that, that goes beyond this world and what we see and feel here and now. And Lord, so we pray for this hour that you bless this time, that you renew our hearts, renew our minds towards you and what you've done, and that we are but mortals that die and that without you, 
There is no hope. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. So bless this hour. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be here among us and that you will richly bless this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Monday, Sunday, sorry, Sunday is the first day of the week. It's when the disciples decided to meet because of the resurrected Christ. And today we're commemorating that, that Christ is risen indeed. In the Old Covenant, the Sabbath day was the holy day. But if you will read, you can read in Acts that the disciples decided to, fear, to meet the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And this is why we meet. We are celebrating, we are remembering our risen Lord who has given us hope. And even so much more today. So what is the resurrection to us? How much thought have we given it? What is the resurrection to us? We know that Christ lives and he lives forevermore. I like, I like it how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through that, he has given us a living hope. As God's people, we do not need to fear death. We do not need to fear the wrath of God. Because Jesus has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He is victorious. And we can be partakers of that, which is our living hope. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you in verse 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time and the power of the resurrection will be fully revealed when Christ returns when we will see the power of eternal life, when we see the everlasting power, He is the first fruit of all those that believe in Him, when all the faithful will meet Him on His return. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So, <clears throat> From the time Jesus came to this earth, the enemy was out to destroy him or to overcome him. You know, the temptations, Herod tried to kill him. He was always out to get him. The enemy knew who Jesus was here in this earth. But Jesus stayed faithful. The word of God tells us he committed no sin. And he was without sin. And being without sin, he fulfilled the law and was blameless. He was the one that was chosen to be the propitiation 
for our sins. We read that verse on Friday, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And had the principalities known, had the devils known, that he would conquer sin and death, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. As it says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, I think. Had they known, I am sure they, they knew, they thought that once he's on the cross and once he's died, nothing can conquer that. Nothing ever has and nothing ever will. And they must have thought, that's it. He's dead. He's gone. Had they known what's going to come out of that, they tried to get rid of him. The religious leaders tried. The Romans tried. And everyone thought it's done. Everyone thought it's over. Even his own disciples were convinced that it's okay, that's it. You remember the account of the two disciples that Jesus met? They thought it was over. And they lamented how what a good teacher he was, and he was so good, basically, society. And whoa, it's over. But it's not over. Christ, the sinless lamb, conquered sin and death and was resurrected. He was resurrected gloriously, victorious forevermore. Praise the Lord. Okay, for our scripture reading, we're going to do a lot of scripture reading today. Go to Matthew 27. And uh, let's read through the resurrection story. And um, I'm going to use New King James Version it's very similar to King James, so if you keep focused, you'll, you'll, you're going to keep up. I want to start in Matthew 27, though. And I know the resurrection starts in 28, but I want to start in, in Matthew 27, in verse 62. So again, we can see the enemy at work. Thinking that Jesus is done. And of course he used men. He used subjects to, to try to get his, his way again. Matthew 27 verse 62. On the next day. Which followed the day of preparation. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. Saying. Sir. We remember while he was still alive. How that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. This thing is a, is a little shocking. They actually knew he said that. And they completely shut off their hearts, their mind to that truth. And still forged ahead. They knew that Jesus said that he will rise. But they chose to call him a deceiver and a liar and put guards there, I don't know, trying to protect the heavenly powers. For what reason, I don't know. Um, we know that it, it won't stand against the heavenly hosts, but that's what they chose to believe. How that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Verse 64, Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. 
lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So they secured the tomb. And they sealed the stone, set guards there. No one is getting near here. The powers that were tried their attempt to keep him in the grave. The powers that were. So reading on chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. Sunday. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. The heavens unleashed all power as the powers under heaven and earth knew who is king of kings who conquers even death. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. There is power. There is a shock. Verse 5, but the angels, angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And here, he, he's, the angel speaks to the women. They were actually looking for Jesus. Their hearts were ready. Their hearts believed. Or I don't know if they were tender or they were ready. And they didn't die. They weren't shook till they were fell over unconscious. They must have been afraid. But who wouldn't be afraid? He is not here. Verse 6. He said to them. He is not here. For he is risen. As he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples. That he has risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb. From the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. So it is. On that day. That and hell were defeated. From that day on, the believers were assured with a glorious hope. We still hold on to it today. That if we by faith trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we also overcome and also be resurrected to a glorious life. But the enemy was not done yet. He lost. He lost. So the next step, as always, is through lying and deceit. When the enemy loses, he starts with lies. He deceives. He gets into plan B. He gets into another mood. 
with deceiving and lying. And down in verse 11, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. So they experienced it. They reported, okay, isn't this happened? We were standing on guard, and all of a sudden there was lightning and flashing and maybe thunder, and there was an earthquake, and we lost it. And next thing we knew, the, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. So when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Now, isn't that somewhat of an insult? In fact, a total insult to watchmen, to guards. Oh, we slept. We should have guarded the tomb, but we slept. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this thing is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. A lie. And many believed in it. A lie about the power of the Lord. And many believed in it, even unto, until this day. I know we're all convinced, I hope, that Jesus rose to victory. But I'm going to go through a few contradictions here to the lies. I know there are many, but I'm just going to bring forward a few to show how vulnerable even that lie is. Because the scary part is, many a times when we are engaged with truth, we can easily succumb to lies. Because we're always ready to protect us. We're always ready to defend us. And it's pride. The enemy lost. The Pharisees lost. So instead of warming their hearts, it is the Lord, what did we do? They continued lying. So, when truth encounters us, we have usually two choices. One of it is humble ourselves before the Lord. And we will find grace. Or number two, we will react in pride and continue lying or believing a lie and be deceived. So, we have to continually be prayerful, honest, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He conforms us moment by moment, day by day, with truth. So they said, tell them, His disciples came at night and stole Him away while we slept. And do you notice, the same fear they had, they turned into a lie. The same fear they had while he was yet in the grave, they then turned into a lie. They didn't even consider the truth. So let's look at the situation. If it were so, that Jesus was stolen. First of all, what kind of soldiers or guards 
what these men have been were at least half a dozen fishermen. Now, we know fishermen are more on the lowly type on the scale. Maybe they were sneaky. I don't know. I see fishermen more on the clumsier side. Sorry, fishermen. <laughs> no, where at least half a dozen fishermen could sneak through them and steal a dead body. What, what kind of guards would it take? I mean, were they even, would, would they have been even called guards? What an insult to a guard. So let's look. Let's look more closely here. So according to them, according to their story, all is quiet. It's night. Now, we all, we've all been out at night. It seems that every sound is amplified. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's, there's less pressure, but it's also quieter. Most people are sleeping at night. So every sound you hear way more clearly. So all is quiet. It's night. And they're standing on guard duty. Oh, maybe they fell asleep. But all of a sudden, a few men sneak past these guards and quietly roll away the stone, as if that's possible. And on top of that, quietly. Now, can you imagine yourself sitting with a chiseled hood stone, chiseled out of the mountain, and you got a bunch of men <laughs> rolling a stone away. That's not earthly possible how this could be done quietly. Now, add to that, that it's supposed to be a robbery, and it's being done in a hustle, in a bustle. And remember, the tomb was sealed, yet everything without sound. Is that even possible? How could they quietly sneak past the guards with a body? Like the guards are still sleeping, they stumble out of the tomb, and <laughs> somehow sneak past the guards. See, it doesn't even make sense, yet many people believed in it. Or if they would have stolen Jesus, number two, would they have left the linen there? Would someone have neatly folded the handkerchief or anything at all? Or would they have panicked a little bit and rushed out of the tomb and just left the mess there? Who would step in, in the middle of a robbery and neatly fold a piece of cloth? cloth? Because <clears throat> I think that nobody... If, if, I, if they would have stolen him, they would have left the mess, somehow sneaked past the guards, and rushed off. And here's what is recorded in John 20, verses 6 to 8. Then Simon, Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. And one more 
Mark 16, verses 9 to 11. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And this is important to notice. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive, he had been seen by her, they did not believe. So why would, if the disciples would have made up the story, why would have recorded that a woman saw Jesus first? If at that time, which it's commonly believed, that a woman's witness was not um, considered viable or legit. That is, um, I've, I've tried to look for that in the laws, but if you study into it, and scholars all agree with that, the wording and everything, it had to be the witness of a man for something to be viable, to something to hold count. So if they're, if they're trying to create a story, why would they have done it through a woman? And on top of that, a woman that had a bad reputation. Remember, Mary Magdalene had a bad reputation. Out of her were driven, as it says, and I think that's why maybe it even mentioned it, out of whom he had cast seven demons. We know Jesus sees when he forgives, when he cleanses, he sees. But for men, it takes a while to be convinced. We look at fruits, we look at works, and we say, okay, something is going on in that life. So we see, though, the wisdom of God at work of just making it their story just falls apart, the lie. And there are many more proofs to talk about. Even in Acts 1-3, the writer, I think it was Luke, said, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And the amazing experience here. So here's the life of Jesus. And he warns them, I will not leave you as orphans. So they knew there's, there's, a, there's a downtime coming. And they thought it was over. But here they experience something that has never happened before. They resurrect the Christ. And he continues teaching them on the things of the kingdom of God. No wonder they were on fire. No wonder they saw. They saw with their very eyes. And, and Paul later speaks about that he was seen of the twelve. And he said, later by me, which was an apostle born out of due time. So a person could analyze the story that the, what, that the soldiers had and the religious leaders spread. And could find, we can find, of course, a lot of inconsistencies there. But not that it is easier to believe in Jesus' resurrection. Now... That takes faith in believing in the power thereof. Because it was supernatural. Making up a believable story is easier to believe in the flesh. And here's why. Because believing in the resurrection of Jesus will change your life. It will change our life. 
if we fully believe in the resurrection of Jesus and what all comes with it. You couldn't have lived back then and knew about the resurrection and do nothing about it unless you chose to believe a lie and be deceived. Believing the resurrection and in the power is the power that we rest in. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And what I find amazing, anytime we read in the scripture, the word of God, where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, gives us life, it is that very life that has the power to overcome death. And the key word here dwells in you. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And we might put a lot of emphasis on the death and the cross, and it's good. It's, I think we did it. We, we spoke a lot about it. It is an amazing passion. It is amazing what Jesus has done for us. But there's something that comes after the cross, the sovereign, the death, and that is the resurrection. And Paul writes about it in Romans 6, verses 4 to 6. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Amen. So anyway, back to the resurrection. So, I have noticed a lot of times when I hear people discuss how it's going to be for us as Christians when we die and the Lord returns. I notice a lot of times people speak if there is no resurrection of the dead. But somehow our body dies and decays forever and our soul lives on. Which is partly true, the soul never dies. However, the Bible teaches us that Christ is the first fruit of them that slept. And what does that mean? All those that took part in him will partake of the resurrected power. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. He is risen, Christ is risen from the dead and became become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And it's, as I said, it's that life, eternal life, that is the resurrected power. It's that life that was obedient to Christ here, that same spirit is obedient when the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to go there with your Bibles. 
And Paul here gives tremendous clarity on the hope of the resurrection. And realize hope is something we put our trust in. It's not something that maybe, maybe, maybe. It's something we rest in. Hope is something, a substance that we rest in. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll start at verse 12. I'm not going to read all of the chapter, those parts here. And let's start with verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Yes. And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. See how he intertwines it. Christ is risen, and just as Christ is risen, so shall his people rise. And if Christ is not risen, verse 17, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. As was mentioned in the, in the uh, when Garrett mentioned before we sang here. So much hung on that power, that sinless Christ, having the power to resurrect. Verse 17 again, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. We're most miserable. Can you imagine Paul? He said, I'm dying daily. I am sacrificing my life for what Christ has called me. And it's just for this life here. So when we look to Christ and see the resurrected power, it's a promise that we also have. Now going down to verse 42. So also it's the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. We don't know what that is. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. Our body is laid in the ground. It's corruptible. And when Christ returns and the trumpet will sound we shall be resurrected, those who, who are in him. We shall be raised just as Jesus was raised from the dead, by the same power, by the same spirit. This is the promise he has for his people. The promise in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the very life where death has no power over. This is the life that has the power to overcome sin and finally overcome death. 
and life that he gave himself for it. And we can be partakers of that. This is what should be the church's unity. The reason we're gathered here Sunday morning, the first day of the week, is because of that eternal life, being partakers of that life. Nothing else. 1 Corinthians, round to verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, sorry, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit it. And I see that verse as, as twofold. There's, of course, something that needs to happen in our life here and now. And even say no to our flesh. And not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. If we don't walk after the spirit, we never come to the victorious life of the, of the resurrection. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Like he's, it seems to me that he's making this comparison. <clears throat> Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Those that are alive in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, shall be changed. It's the power of God. The dead, it says, will be raised incorruptible, just as Jesus had a glorified body, so shall his people have the glorified body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54. So when this incorruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, that is swallowed up in victory. That is swollen up in victory. Oh, dead, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. And here's, here's this is very important. He said, therefore, knowing we have these promises, it's like the if. He said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. We have this promise, and this is what we put our hope in. The resurrection is our hope. Christ is risen indeed, and in him we have that glorious hope. So in closing, one more, two more verses. <clears throat> Philippians 3.20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Amen. He will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed, be conformed to his glorious body. Where the whole of that, the sting of that, has no more hold on it. So, the resurrection is one of the truths. There's a few truths in my life. And the resurrection is one. Like realizing that we as his children have the same hope as Christ had when he went into that grave and on the third day was resurrected. It was one of these truths that brought the picture in Christ for me. It brought it together. So this is what we're working towards. To be resurrected. To have glorified bodies. And by some miracle, by some power, as he changes those who are alive in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he somehow will gather our dust, our old bones in the grave, and resurrect us unto a new and living body, as the Word of God says. This is the hope we have in Him. It's glorious. It's something we look forward to. It's something that we trust in. And it's because of what Christ had done for us. This is why it's the good news. So, amen. <laughs>